This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. All right. Well, I agree with Roy. Gideons are a great ministry to give into, and so just springboarding on that. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand, and our ushers will get you the Bible, and then... Um, I'm not even going to have you turn to a scripture there tonight. I'm just going to say a few things real quick on the area of giving. I I believe it's important that we all cultivate a heart of giving and generosity, every one of us. And I I believe that's big for each one of us to begin to, to walk in that. And one of the first ways that happens is I must learn to live within my means. And so to live within my means, it takes discipline. And some of you say, well, I'm not a disciplined person. Well, welcome to the NFL. That I don't know that anybody's born with discipline, but discipline can be taught and learned. And the reason I say that, if you want to see what discipline do, you always look at this, what's the benefit? And when I figure out what the benefit is, I become very disciplined in areas, even in the area of my giving. And so, you know, even on the lines of why, why do people exercise? They see the benefit. And so in order to exercise, you've got to become disciplined. Why, why do people eat healthy? They see the benefit. How many have had to discipline yourself to eat a little better? Every one of us. Well, it's the same area in giving. I, I must become disciplined in my life to give. And so I, I encourage you, uh, allow God to begin to touch your heart. Because one of my, my favorite slogans, I say this a lot, is, Every sacrifice is based on preference. And so the things I prefer, I become very disciplined in doing that. And so even tonight, I I encourage you to to give to the Gideons. Like Roy said, there's a table out here. But if you'll put on your seed envelope, you want to give to the Gideons, every bit of that will go to it. We'll make sure we bless the Gideons good tonight. So why don't you bow your head with me and let's pray over the the tithes and our Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to give. Lord, we pray your blessings, Father God, on the house of God. We pray your blessing tonight on the Gideons, Lord, that the gospel is, is being delivered all around this, this world tonight. And we thank you for the testimonies, the blessings of the word of God. And again, Lord, we, we thank you for blessing the Gideons ministry in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, my wife, for some reason, thought I was jumping on something new. I'm not. I'm, I'm still on the area of a counterfeit, and I'm going to speak the next three Wednesday nights on this for sure. And so again, uh, a counterfeit is a fake. It's a knockoff. And anything that starts out as good becomes a God, that can be an idol. And so we've talked about this several times tonight. So if you got a Bible, go with me to the book of James chapter one. James chapter one. And just as you're turning there, let me ask you a couple questions. You know, do you ever settle for living below what God desires you to live? I believe all of us do, and I, I think God wants to help us in this area, but a lot of this starts with, with my desires. And so if I was to ask you right now, what's your greatest desire, what would you say? And it could be several things, but what's my greatest desire? And I think that changes over life, especially when you start getting a little older, you start changing your desires. You know, probably my greatest desire for me is that my children and grandchildren, my great-grandchildren will spend eternity in heaven. 
And I believe that's the heart of many of you in here. But James comments on this just a little bit. James chapter 1, verse 14. But each one, each person, that's me and you, is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. He's drawn away by his own desires, my own desires, and enticed. Now that word enticed means to be lured or to be hooked or baited right here. So James gives us insight here that I'm hooked or baited by, by my own desires. Interesting, verse number 15. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth deaths. So evil desire gives birth to evil actions. I heard the message say it this way, that lust gets pregnant and has a baby called sin, and sin, when it grows up, becomes a killer. But the point of everything that he's talking about here is, or his purpose is, God's not the origin of evil. That's the devil, okay? God never goes after us with evil. And so you gotta get that clear. That, that comes from the enemy right there. He ends in verse number 16 and he says, do not be deceived. Don't be thrown off course. Don't be misled, my beloved brethren. So he's warning believers right here. He said, listen, don't fool yourself. Don't act like you're exempt from this. Don't act like this can't ever happen to me. And so again, it, it goes back to the areas of my life where I said, man, Lord, I, I need pure desires. I need, I need desires that line up with you. In other words, my desires become your desires, Father God. And, and when I talk about God, uh, desires, I, I know within every one of us, God puts his desires within. Good, good or godly desires come from God. So God's not against me having desires. The problem is when those desires become God's instead of God. Those idols overlook God, and we say, man, I, I gotta have that, I gotta have that. I live for those certain things. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 59. Isaiah, chapter 59. And I came across this a few weeks ago, just in, in my everyday reading, and I, I really highlighted this. Starting in verse one, and it says, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it can't save. God's arm isn't too weak that it can't save, okay? No, no matter what you've done in this life, God can still save, okay? He says that, next that it cannot save, that he has an ear, nor his ear too heavy, that he cannot hear. God doesn't turn a deaf ear to us, he still hears. So what's the problem? What's the problem? Verse 2. But your iniquities, your prolonged sin, have separated you from God. And your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. So the thing is, my sin turned away God from, from him listening to my, from my prayers. 
And I know sometimes when we, we mention prayer, or when we mention sin in the church, man, people freak out anymore. Don't, don't talk about sin. Don't, don't mention sin, but it's interesting that even the Apostle Paul in, in Romans 6, 23 said the wages, the compensate, or the recompense of sin is death. And so even right here, you begin to see what happens when we begin to get over in the areas of sin. And I'm not trying to make you sin conscience, but I want you to realize that, that because of my sins, my actions in my life, I've separated myself from the things that God desires to do. Verse 3, for your hands are defiled, they're, they're, they're stained with blood, your fingers with iniquity or guilt, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue has muttered perversity. Verse 4, no one calls for justice, nor does anyone plead for truth. And, and when I read that, no one pleads for truth. The, the word plead itself, it actually means to make a plea or a sincere entreaty. So let me ask you something. Do you plead for the truth? Do you say, I, I gotta have the truth. I welcome the truth. And, and what I find in life, sometimes truth isn't easy. Sometimes when you look in the mirror and you realize, wow, this, this is what the truth of the word of God says. But remember in John 8, the Lord Jesus said, only the truth will set you free. And so when I read those things, do, do I plead for the truth? Do, do I hunger and fur, or thirst for the truth? And, and he ends that verse and he says, they trust in empty words and they speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. And so off of this, everything I'm talking about here, I get back to the act of idolatry. And, and remember when we talk about idols or idolatry, it can be anything or anyone that replaces God in my life. When, when I start looking to anything or anyone to make me truly happy, that can become a God in my life. And, and a lot of times when we talk about idols in our world, we, we think I, I would never serve a stick, I wouldn't serve some carved image. But again, it goes back to the definition of an idol, anything or anyone we place above God. And I believe right now in our world, idols are still they are still very much alive and well. So to help us with this a little further tonight, look with me back in the Old Testament to Joshua chapter 6. And I'm, I'm going to be in Joshua the rest of this evening, and we're going to bounce through here. And there's some incredible truths in here that I believe will locate us, but it'll help us to see God's heart in all this. So when you come into Joshua, you're going to Joshua 6, in Joshua 1, the Lord, he speaks to the man who took Moses' place, a man named Joshua. And he, and he informs Joshua and he says, I'm giving you a land. I'm giving you a land which we know was referred to as the promised land or the land that flows with milk and honey. And the Lord said, I'm giving you this land. 
Now we start in, in Joshua 6, verse number 1. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out or none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho in your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. Now what you've got to understand about Jericho, when the Israelites crossed the Jordan River, the first city that they were going to go in and take, it was Jericho. That's the first one. And it's interesting right here, the Lord said, I've given it to you. It's yours. Keep reading. Verse number three. So you shall march around the city and all your men of war, you shall go around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Now it's important that when we hear the word of God, we must understand when God tells us to do something, he means it. So he said, here's the deal, fellas. For six days, you're going to walk around the city of Jericho one time. You got it? We got it. Verse 4. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. Now the Lord says, now things are going to change up a little bit here on the seventh day. You're going to march around it seven times. And then the priests are going to blow the trumpet. You got it? We got it. Verse 5. And it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. So he's been precise here, and he said, listen, you're going to hear that trumpet blast, and when you hear the trumpet blast, what are you supposed to do? You're to shout. You're to shout. And look how he ends verse 5, and he says, then the wall of the city will fall flat, and all the people shall go up, every man straight before him. Now, every time I read this, I look at this and think, this was God's his, his unconventional strategy for war. Do you know what it really was? To test their obedience and their trust. Will you obey me? Will you trust me? And it's interesting sometimes. God does that with us. And there's things that I find out in the Bible that they don't always make a lot of sense to me. But I still obey it. You think about this. When God says, even in the area of money, he said, if you'll give me a tenth of it, I'll bless you. Now, I, I remember jillion years ago now when we started honoring God, it didn't make any sense up here. But you know what the Lord was saying, just like to the Israelites? If you'll obey me, I'll, I'll cause the walls to fall. And, and something happens here. And it's interesting right here that you know what he said? The walls won't fall down until you shout. You shout and then they'll fall down. Too many times we want the wall to fall down and then we want to shout. But we get it backwards. And so you know what the shout was again? It was a test of their faith. It was to see how, how much they would honor God. And so 
God gives them further instruction here in Joshua 6. Look with me in verse 18 and verse 19. So they go in, do exactly what God has said, but he tells them in verse 18, and you shall by all means abstain from the cursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the cursed things and you make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble. So God gives some specific information to him here and he said, there's certain things in the city, don't mess with them. Because if you mess with them, you're gonna to bring trouble not only to your life, but the whole camp. Verse 19. But all the silver, the gold, the vessels of bronze and iron, they are consecrated or they are set apart to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. And so the Lord right here said, I want to make this very clear to you. All the gold, the silver, the iron, and the bronze, it's mine. It's all going to go into the house of the Lord. Now, if you catch what's going on here, this was literally the principle of the first fruits. That I am honor God with the first fruits of all my increase, and God will bless it. And so God said right here, that first city, every bit of it's mine. Every other city we go into, you can have it, but that first one, it's mine. And so I believe God right here is like, you get this, fellas? You get it? Yeah, we got it, we got it. Chapter 7, verse number 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass. They went and did some things they weren't supposed to. Think about the word trespass. You ever see a sign on a fence and says, do not trespass? You know what that means? Don't go in there. Don't do it. They did it. Regarding the cursed things, for Achan the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zirah, of the tribe of Judah, he took of the cursed things. He took them. He, he blew off what God said. Now I want you to note real clearly what God thought about that. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. You know what I see right there? You can take the things that are God's, but I'm gonna tell you, God doesn't like it. I mean, there's only a few times in the Bible where you will see these wording, the anger of the Lord. And so we keep reading verse two. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethaven on the east side of Bethel. And he spoke to them saying, go up, spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. Now let me tell you what's going on here. They captured Jericho. They're off to the next city. It's this little city called Ai. So they go out to scout it out too. So we keep reading verse three. So they returned to Joshua and said to him, do not let all the people go up, but let about two or 300 men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people are Ai or few. So you know what they tell him? No sweat. It'll be a piece of cake. We, we don't need to send very many men in there. We can just go in there and it'll be victory just like that. It's gonna be an easy target. Verse four. 
So about 3,000 men went up there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them before the gate as far as Shearim, and struck down on the descent, therefore the hearts of the people melted, and they became like water. So they go up to Ai thinking this is going to be easy. And guess what happens? They lose. And not only do they lose, Joshua and the people are disheartened. I mean, they are, they are broken and confused. And it's like they're thinking, what happened? How, how can this happen? Why did this happen? And it's so bad that they're, they're, they're in grief. They're in deep sorrow. Verse 10, so the Lord said to Joshua, get up, get up. Why do you lie? That's on your face. Now listen closely. Israel has sinned and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. You know what my paraphrased addition is? You've blown it off. You acted like it didn't apply to you. you. You heard my commands, but you overrode it. They have trespassed or transgressed my covenant, which I've commanded them. For they have taken some of the cursed things, which both were stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. Verse 12, now listen real close. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies. A result of their sin. Their blatant disobedience. Listen, they could not stand before their enemies, but they turned their backs before their enemies because they have been doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the cursed things from among you. And so God begins to tell him right here, this is what you gotta do. You're doomed to uh, destruction unless you deal with the sin. Now the issue here is they totally and completely disobeyed God. So I'm looking at this and I think, what was their purpose for disobeying God? Somebody desired those riches more than they desired to please God. Now we go all the way back to James 1. Remember what he said about desire. Desire starts on the inside of me. But enticement, the devil lures me. He hooks me. I go after that desire and then the devil reels you in. Have you ever had that happen? I've had that happen. So what happens next is, is they know, man, we got to figure out who did this and why they did it. So what Joshua does, he starts bringing tribe after tribe in. And remember, uh, Israel was made up of the 12 tribes. And so one tribe after another comes in. And so we pick up here in verse 18. Then he brought his household man by man, and Achan the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerar, of the tribe of Judah was taken. Now Joshua said to Achan, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him and tell me now what you've done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, indeed, 
I have sins against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I've done. You, you, you got to get verse 21, okay? We're, we're really going to hone into verse 21 because I'm going to tell you, you're going to see some things that I believe apply to every one of us. When I saw, when I saw, what he saw with his eyes gave birth to a desire. I believe we're actually the same. I believe we begin to see things and those we begin to see the things, those things appeal to us so much that they become a desire. Keep reading. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, it was a Babylonian robe, a piece of clothing. And we look and we think, wow. He would dishonor or disobey God for a robe, a Babylonian robe? But don't kid yourself. Remember, he said, he said there in James 1, don't, don't be misled. Don't be thrown off course. And, and so just, just right here, I'm going to bring this home to us just a little bit here. Do you know there's people in America, they will be killed for a pair of Air Jordan? Literally. Do you know there are people that will lose their life over a Versace purse, over a Louis Vuitton handbag? Are you one of those people that have the thought, you know what? I would die for a pair of Lululemons. That hurt, Pastor. So again, I, I look at this and I read this and I think, so he admits it was this Babylonian garment or this Babylonian, and I thought, you know what? That, that idol of, of clothing, that idol of, of Babylonian, woo, I'm telling you right now, you talk about Italian shoes, men go crazy. I mean, you, you mention certain things for other countries, people are like, oh my gosh. We're the same. Those idols have been around a long time. But he doesn't stop there. And he said, 200 shekels of silver. You know what this literally was? 200 silver coins. How many people rob a bank every day or a fast food place for 200 silver coins? He keeps going. And he said, a, a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. This, this incredible gold bar. I, I don't know what an ounce of gold went for back then, and I don't know what it goes for now. But I know people in our society, we would covet a gold bar. How do you know that? Well, have you ever been to someone's house, and they have a, a, a pure gold bar, and they just have it laying on the counter? No. It's going to be in a safe. It's going to be somewhere of value. 
somewhere where they can hide their value. Now, watch the words here. I coveted them and I took them. I coveted them and I took them. You know what the word covet means? It literally means desire. I desired them so much, so I took them. And so this was a man who had heard the commandments of God, but when I look into idol worship here, idolatry is intentional or known sin. And it becomes a deception when I begin to covet those things, and I look to those things to make me happy instead of looking to God. Am I guilty? I'm guilty. And, and so I, I said this earlier, and I believe this. God created us, every one of us, with the desire. How do you know how, what you desire to eat? Well, every one of us, we desire what we eat because we start tasting things. And I desire that, but I don't desire this. So I know God put that desire within us, that, that, the ability to desire things. But my desires start getting me in trouble when, when my desires override God's desires. So I go back to months ago, way, way back when we started this. And I've told this story a couple times. But there was a man who grew up in New York City. And he went to the nation of India on a mission trip. And while he was there, he saw this woman sacrificing a chicken at the altar. And it, it shocked him. He had never seen someone actually sacrifice an animal right there to a false god. He got around this lady. And he realized she spoke English. And she ended up telling him that she had visited the United States and she had gone to New York. And he said, how did you like the city that I live in? And she goes, I hated it. And he said, why did you hate it? And she said, I've never seen so much blatant idolatry in all my life. Now remember, this is a lady who right before this was sacrificing a chicken. And so the guy from New York says, T tell me what you mean. And he said, Americans, they, they worship the God of their stomach. He said, or she said to him, I, I would see Americans wait for hours to get into this restaurant. And it, it really shocked him when he, she said that. And he said, what else? And he said, they worship the God of their phones. She said, they freak out if they leave their phone. They don't have their phone. She said, people lose their mind when they don't have their phone. They're addicted to their phone. It's, it's, it's the God of their life. She said, it was blatant idolatry. She said, I've, I've never seen people that, that were so dominated by a cell phone. Now, when I'm reading this passage, I'm thinking, oh, dear Jesus. 
Have you, any of you ever waited in line for 30 minutes, an hour to eat at a restaurant? It's okay to say you have. I have. <laughs> but what do you do with your cell phone? You have to sleep with it by, now listen, do you, do you have to sleep with it on your nightstand? Pastor, you're hurting me. I mean, if you were to leave early in the morning and didn't have the phone, could, could you go the work day without or do you got to say, man, I got to make a, I got to go back, I got to go back, I got to have that phone. Every time it dings, I respond. And, and the only reason I'm bringing this up, because again, we have this mindset that idol worship is just sacrificing chickens, but this lady brings it to a different perspective. But you know what she said? She said, but that wasn't the worst idol in America. She said, you know what the worst idol is? She said, they have TVs. Not one. They have TVs in every room of their house. She said, in their, in their room where all their family meets, they have this big TV, and they sit around that TV all day, and they worship it. I don't worship TV. I watch it, but I don't worship it. And when I read that, I thought, I got more than one TV in my house. This is really going to hurt, okay? How many of you can watch college football? College games day starts Saturday morning, and you can watch college football all day long till night. Have you anybody ever done that? In the NFL, Pastor, I'll be in early service on Sunday morning, but next week I'll, I won't be here at all because the Cowboys play the early game. And so all this began to hit home with me, and I began to look at these things. And when I read in here that this guy coveted those things, I have to look at my life and I have to think the same thing. Where am I at in this? Again, God's not against me having things. He's just having, against me having things that take his place, that dominate me, that, that keep me from spending any time with him. I mean, I, I know people that, man, they'll watch their favorite sitcom. They'll, they'll run a red light to not miss that show. But if we say church is going to get out at 12.15 and we go to 12.30, dear God, Pastor, you don't go into overtime in church. Don't you dare do that. But when the NFL goes into overtime, it's okay. Actually, we get on the edge of the seat, but when we go to church and it goes overtime, everybody gets PO'd. Personally offended. And so when I'm reading this article, man, it began to move in me. And I said, Father God, I, I don't want, I don't want to be dominated by these things. And so there's, there's days. I don't have my cell phone with me. I, I'm not a big social media guy, but there's days I won't even look at a computer. Right? I'm like, I don't need that stuff. There's days that I, I don't watch any news. You know why? Because the news affects me. 
Have any of you ever poked the TV screen at the news? I have. Stupid. And I hate those things. I look and I look, why am I dominating? Why don't you stand up? I gotta get you out of here. I'm gonna keep telling stories. But I look and I, I read this passage here. And you know what ultimately happens? Joshua says to Achan through the Spirit of God, he said, you've caused trouble to your life and the whole camp. This was such a big deal. You know what they did? They stoned him to death. His family, his kids, they wiped them all out. And I look and I thought, you know what? I thank God I live under grace. Because if we were stoned to death for our blatant disobedience in the air of idolatry, would there be any of us here left to throw a stone? We'd all be piled down here. That's it. So just here real quickly, I just ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.